Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is the official fan club of Winton Bernard, and you just so happen to be tuning in. For those of you that don't know about Winton Bernard, well, Kenneth and I got a little something to share about the reigning Pacific Coast League player of the week. Kenneth, we've been talking a bunch. What's it going to take to get this guy in a Rockies uniform? Seriously, he's he's put in the time. If you type in baseball reference, this is probably the biggest and thickest database on one player that I've ever seen without a single major league inning. What what do we got? What's it going to take to get this guy on the show? I mean, I can say pretty safely there's nothing more that he can do. He's done everything possible um, to get himself a call up this season and you know, it hopefully for his sake and as a baseball fan, it does happen because holy cow, does he deserve it? He has been just an absolute monster um, in Albuquerque this season. So Rockies still believe that they can contend for a playoff spot. Maybe Winton Bernard helps him get him there. You know, <laughs> let's, let's go that angle with with the whole thing. You and, know, honestly. Yeah. If they if they feel like, you know, folding it a little bit for the rest of the season. Well, give Winton Bernard his due then. That's you that's know, that's a good write-off to 2022 for the Rockies. I like the rationality, and I guess first and foremost, for those anybody that's a new listener, this is the Pebble Report podcast, as you may have clicked on this, and you might have been rapidly confused. So you are in the right place. Here we go. Um, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking along the just the recent lineage of the Colorado Rockies, and I hate to say similar signings because this is a very unique position, but... You know, when the Rockies went and landed Jason Giambi for what seemed nothing more than just like a pinch hitter, and you bring in, dare we rewind back to the Jamie Moyer saga of a pitcher in their 40s, you know, essentially being, these players are taking up a 26-man roster spot, or I guess it would have been 25 back then, but yeah, collectively, I mean, the 40-man roster is... That's how we're seeing, you know, who's eligible for it. You need to clear room for somebody if you've ever called them up. Of course, Winton Bernard is not on the 40-man roster, so you are going to need to clear room to get him there. At the same time, dudes like Jose Urania are on the 40-man roster, and that's somebody that, you know, the Rockies pick him up through waivers. He was released previous this year, just rotating through different organizations for a little while. And, you know, similarly put, Denelson Lamette is now also in the Rockies system as of as of our record date, believe it or not, a couple hours ago on Friday, we got a new pitcher in the mix right here. So you see these come together. I mean, maybe that makes sense because of course, Chad cool just hits the injured list. And I understand, you know, this is a minor league podcast. So people are like, what are you guys talking so much on the big league landscape for? But, you know, in order to fully give Winton Bernard kind of the spotlight that he deserves, we really need to take a look at the 40 man roster and recognize where are you going to go in order to give, you know, your breakout minor leaguer, no matter how old he might be, this is a dude that, I mean, he's not just in the Rocky system, the entire Pacific Coast League. He has clearly been 
let's just throw down some figures here before just so the people at home know what we're talking about. He batted 385 average in July. OPS of 1.131 in the month of July. So at bats, he had 96 at bats. He went 37 for 96. Of that, he had 15 extra base hits. Five of them were home runs. And I mean, it, it's just, it's a ridiculous tear that he's putting together. His OPS on the season is 975. He's done that across 84 games and 334 at bats. So, you know, just concrete figures are showing everything that you need to know about this. But at the same time, the window is small. And I know you and I have talked about this as far as who the Rockies have in their outfield right now. You brought in Randall Gritchick. You can't exactly get rid of the dude that you essentially brought in to cover. Charlie Blackman isn't necessarily going anywhere. So we have, I mean, already the stockpile. Of course, Chris Bryant, as soon as he's healthy, left field is going to be locked down, or we're not going to see anybody else there. In the meantime, underneath Winton Bernard, if you look in the Rocky system, it will take a little while for Zach Veen to get to AAA. I suppose you could say the same about Betty Montgomery, other guys like Jordan Beck, Sterling Thompson. But how long is the window going to exist that there is even a room for a player pushing, you know, the mid thirties of Winton Bernard? That's kind of the concerning side. On, I mean, the concerning side on this. So I know you had a little, at least kind of a little bit of good stuff before we even started recording this episode. What do you see the timeliness on this for? And, you know, is this window truly closing up? And is this going to be, I mean, if he has any chance of making it to the big leagues, is this going to be maybe his only chance? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like it. So just for the context, um, Winton Bernard was originally a draft pick in 2012 out of uh, Niagara University by the San Diego Padres. He's been just going at it the entire time. He's uh, 31 years old at this point. This is now his 10th minor league season. Um, you know, he has over 850 career minor league games. Um, he's approaching 3000 career minor league at bats, never once got the call up to, to go to the major leagues with any of the teams that he's been with San Diego, Chicago, Detroit, San Francisco, Colorado now. So, um, you know, you, you put in that amount of time, um, one, that's just, that's a, that's a tough ask for anybody to stick to it for that long and never get their call. But now he's also having very clearly his best season ever as a professional baseball player. And, you know, it's the Pacific Coast League, it's AAA, it's a launching pad. But when you talk about wanting to see somebody take advantage of it, when you're posting near a thousand OPS pretty much throughout the entire season, you can't be more advantageous of your environment than that. So it's a weird single moment in time um it feels like for Witten bernard and the colorado rockies because as you mentioned you have the the pipeline coming up behind him zach veens benny montgomery's brent doyle is on the radar you know there's a lot of the, a lot of guys that are the prospects in the future and and the uh, players that the organization is pinning their hopes around in the outfield um but they're not ready yet and Witten bernard is sure playing like a major league baseball um, in the Rockies' closest affiliate. So beyond this season, it's hard to see him being in the plans because that's just the nature of baseball, and you don't plan around a career minor leaguer in his 30s becoming an answer for you. But for this moment in time, for the last two months remaining in the season, you know, why not give him a shot? That's that's the way that it really feels. Um, it's easier said than done because, as you mentioned, you kind of have to create that spot for him to get called up in the first place. Um, to me, it, I look at Sean Bouchard and him getting promoted to the Colorado Rockies earlier this year and being put on the 40 man roster that kind of felt like that was the one spot that he could have taken because we've talked about kind of the revolving door with pitchers and, um, Arania and lament coming in, you know, Ashton Goudeau was the one that left because of that. They're going to keep on cycling pitchers in and out because Pitching is just going to be a neat. But when it comes to adding a uh, position player to the 40-man roster, unless there's a much larger rash of injuries in the outfield specifically to finish out the year, Chris Bryant gets shut down for the year. One of Daza or both, Daza, Grichik, maybe Hilliard, Connor Joe, all of these guys are ahead of him. 
You also have Ryan Vallade and Bouchard ready to get at bats if those guys do go down. So it has to be four, five, six pieces on the position player side going down for the Rockies to probably give Bernard his opportunity. And that's a bummer of it all. But man, he has been an absolute monster for the Albuquerque Isotopes this year. And I hope, you know, that it's it's tough to say that you hope um things go poorly for others so somebody gets their chance but i just <laughs> hope that when bernard gets his chance um this season because it may never come around again this is probably you know the best shot in his career at getting that major league call up you know i do like the jurisdiction that you put together talking about the 40-man roster for pitchers versus position players and i mean it very it may as well have nothing to do with each other because when you look at just the sheer Rockies necessity of when Ryan Rollison and Peter Lambert, when they've been down for the majority of this year, you're trying to get you. I mean, they the Rockies protected their assets in 2022 as far as starting pitcher depth far better than they did in 2021. I mean, you brought in it would have been Ty Block and it would have been Chad Cool this past year. And, you know, last 2021 to start the year, they ended up signing Yoli Chassin just kind of on an emergency flyer the day before opening day. So understandably so, you know, it looked like they learned from the chances of this being thin. We are going to bring in a couple extra people just to make sure we're good to go. And of course, you know, they battled through spring training. They earned themselves roster spots on the 40 man. And, you know, that is the flexibility being as soon as one of those guys gets injured and you realize how thin it actually needs to be, you know, that is the premise based on why Jose Urania is in there. So, you know, it's not as... One could possibly just say, well, if Jose Urania can get one, why can't Winton Bernard get a 40-man roster spot? You know, that's it really isn't that simple. I mean, it may as well be a completely different world at that. But, you know, I, it is too bad that it can't be that simple. And another thing that I've just been thinking, you know, the rosters do expand in the month of September. Granted, they don't go up to, you know, 40-man rosters in big league uniforms like they used to. But, I mean, it'll expand, I believe, up to 29 for that final month of the season. You still need to be on the 40-man roster in order to make that jump. So it's just a whole bunch of technicalities that get, I mean, really frustrating when you really start to break it down at that point. Because, you know, it's not that it's a hopeless mission because, you know, clearly he's still here. And, I mean, he's doing a great job being a minor league filler. But, you know, it makes you wonder if this is what he has done for so long, what is it truly going to take in order to get him there? And, you know, you really don't want to feel like your mission was over before it even began. And that's sadly enough, the fact that they haven't been able to call him up at this point in the season, it really starts to just kind of become that unfortunate reality. So I will speak for the reason that I really wanted to talk about him on today's episode was, you know, if there's any ulterior motive or any momentum that we could generate from a fan perspective. And I mean, this is somebody that you could really cheer for, but at the same time, unless you really follow prospects, which Assuming you were tuning into this podcast, you probably know about Winton Bernard. So, I mean, it's not like we're catering to the audience that may not know. But, you know, it's something that I can only wonder what the noteworthiness of if Rockies Faithful were really able to recognize. I mean, if a crowd at Coors Field, if the average fan at Coors Field recognized what he was doing, that would be, you know, first and foremost, really cool for minor league development and awareness. But, you know, I'm not trying to say that the Rockies would be tempted by fan opinion to call him up, but at the same time, you know, you look at the exuberance that, I mean, we ended up seeing this with Jason Giambi. I was, for one, just thrilled to be able to see somebody that noteworthy in a Rockies uniform, and he did take a 40-man spot. So I suppose, you know, in a very weird parallel, I'm optimistic. I mean, I realize that's a very far-fetched and just kind of a fangirlish type of notion that I'm taking on this one, but... You know, I do want to touch on his journey that he's put together. Multiple stints in the Mexican leagues, multiple stints in the Dominican Republic. He's been in Venezuela. He played in the Constellation League down in Texas in 2020, one of the few like minor league or independent leagues that actually played in 2020. And I mean, of course, all the different organizations that he's been with, the Padres, the Tigers, the Giants, the Cubs, and now the Rockies. It's uh, he's been in Australia as well now that we're putting this all together. So, you know, it's it's like enamoring to see somebody that just absolutely loves the game of baseball. And I feel like for good reason, that's I mean, the primary reason to really pull for him is because he is such a journeyman and he has put this together in so many different places. But, you know, I suppose I want to go back to the early stages of 
where he's been versus where he is. At what point do you kind of just ride the coattails of I love playing the game or, or is there, I mean, I guess I'll, Kenneth, I'll take your opinion on this. At what point does the discouragement set in? And is there any chance that it would have set in by now? Oh, it has to. I mean, this has to be well entrenched for, uh, you know, a, a player of his pedigree because not, I mean, just how long can you, can you kind of keep on trying to push the boulder up the hill? Um, and, and that's, that's the path that, you know, Winton Bernard is on. And so not many may, you know, not even many major leaguers make it into, you know, staying in professional baseball into their thirties, uh, much less minor leaguers where they haven't had that huge pay bump. They haven't had, um, some of the, you know, luxury, so to speak of, of reaching the major leagues, at least financially. So, um, lifestyle wise, it's not easy to, to stick into this game this long. And then when it comes to opportunity, I think that's another underappreciated part of Winton Bernard's journey is how many, you know, organizations out there are specifically trying to look for a player that's three, four, five years older than the league average for their minor league system. You know, that's not what's in demand. You have to really earn your opportunity to stick in the professional ranks by being a really good ball player. And that's what Bernard has done. But he's also, you know, that the whole crux of the story right now is he's doing it at the highest level he's ever done it in his entire career this season. So um, the perseverance is commendable, but also to see how he's gotten better at, at this age um, at this point in his career is also kind of the fun part. And that makes, you know, everybody that, that, that follows the uh, minor leagues and the Rockies farm system in particular, you know, that's, that's where the, the public support is coming from is man, this is cool. This guy is stuck with it for so long and yeah. Wow. Does he deserve his opportunity for, you know, the performance that he's put together this year. So it's, it's hard if it never happens to see him go, you know, through, through this, through this journey um, and still not quite the, get the call when he's never deserved it more than he does this season. Sure. You know, I really like that. And I guess something that keeps coming to my mind is thinking, you know, enthusiasm without awareness can be a pretty dangerous place to be as far as, I mean, even if you're just celebrating and you realize maybe you shouldn't be celebrating next to somebody or, I mean, let's say you just got called up to the big leagues from AAA and then your locker mate is Winton Bernard. You know, you might need to be a little like a little cautious when you're picking up that phone just out of respect for him. But, you know, to recognize that, I mean, from every single thing that people have seen from afar, and I mean, it's the Albuquerque social media team has done a great job really highlighting just, you know, the enthusiasm that he seems to be possessing. Just I can only imagine, you know, behind closed doors. I mean, if I were Winton Bernard and I was just hanging out in my minor league apartment by myself, I'm sure there might be a couple sleepless nights wondering, am I ever going to get out of here? And am I ever going to get that opportunity? But, you know, you just to be able to have somebody that celebrates the game. And, you know, I suppose the reason that all of us love this game is because, you know, it's something that we can truly believe in. And the fact that he's been able to find a way to believe in it for as long as he has, despite not getting the end reward that he's really looking for or at least the end reward that I can only imagine he is looking for. That's, I mean, it's a source of inspiration. And I suppose, you know, if you're coming up through the ranks of the Rocky system and you get to be in the presence of somebody like him, understand, I mean, it's no different if you watch the movie Bull Durham, this is the entire premise of Kevin Costner playing Crash Davis at this point. But, you know, as far as what the Rockies have in him and, understanding you know yes there is kind of a position i suppose in every organization for some degree of triple a i guess you consider him a triple a lifer you really don't really think they're going to go anywhere but you need somebody to fill out the roster and keep a team competitive so as far as you know what he's really contributed to the rockies organization albeit very much behind the scenes and i guess you probably could touch on this better than a whole lot of people that i know anyways what do you really feel like he's been able to contribute just by playing the role that he has played in triple a as far as being the guy around his excuse me being the guy around his teammates yeah i think that that uh the teammate aspect of it if he 
if he didn't embrace his situation, it's hard to imagine he would still be getting the opportunities um, that he has been. Um, so, you know, for, for him to be as well regarded as a teammate as, and as an individual, um, that's, that's half of it. You know, that, I think that that truly is, um, a, a major factor on why you bring in somebody like Winton Bernard into your organization, not because, you know, this is going to be that guy that we believe is going to put us over the top. No, this is going to be a guy that's going to be good for the players around him. And those players around him are the ones that they're, you know, as a franchise, you're a little bit more invested in when it comes to the farm system. So, um, you know, without having a lot of personal conversation and, you know, the, the guys at uh, Blake street banter would be a, a great um, source of this conversation too. being able to sit down with, with him and, you know, chat with him and get to know him a little bit. Um, it's always been nothing but positive things that I've heard. Um, and I think to be able to stay around in the game for as long as, as he has, you need to have that positivity. And I think that that just shows, you know, why he's so beloved and so entrenched, uh, with Albuquerque this year, because not only is he a great ball player and producing the way he is, but he's also been a positive influence for everybody around him. And that directly, you know, reflects on the Colorado system. Also, I just want to point out too, he's on the verge of having a 2020 season and I still have yet to find the last Rockies minor leaguer to put up a 2020. <laughs> so like, you know, we, we, you can talk about the person, you can talk about the journey. The numbers this year are so impressive that it, it's hard to, to overlook whenever it comes to the story of Bernard. And that's what makes it so worth talking about right now is he has been extraordinary on the field this year. And, you know, that, that peaked obviously with, you know, player of the month uh, honors in July for the Pacific coast league. But man, it's just, you hope, you hope he gets there in these final two months. You know, the people of Albuquerque have something tremendous to pull for, which is, I mean, every single day being able to roll out a guy like him. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, the optimism that he's carried himself with, you know, that's a very cool detail to put together. And you did mention also, I'm glad you brought up the crew over at Blake Street Banter has been putting together some great content from the man himself, especially. So make sure you check that stuff out. Make sure you keep following along. Make sure you keep seeing what this guy is doing into August and in the event that there happens to be any shakeup with the Colorado Rockies outfield, we know it won't be happening as a measure of the trade deadline, but it could happen for a measure of other things. And you never know, man, hopefully the optimism pays off at least some kind of dividend. And, you know, I think I can speak on behalf of our whole crew over at purple row. We would be ecstatic to be able to see this guy in uniform, perhaps rightfully so perhaps maybe we actually get an opportunity, but at the very least, you know, his optimism and his perseverance certainly not overlooked. And that's a primary reason we really wanted to talk about that today. So we are going to go into a new segment after a brief little commercial break. We are going to name the all July team. So those familiar with this podcast will recognize this is something we'd like to do over the last several months. I think we're like three for three or four for four on months this year, man. We're like making this a routine thing. Yeah. We're doing our job. There you go. We're running out of pebbles. How about it? <laughs> so as you guys can guess, you probably know one of the players on the list already. So, I mean, I don't think that's much of a spoiler by any means, but we will round out the 25 other players on our 26-man roster for the All-July squad. Fairly even distribution across all the different affiliates, but we will make sure we crank all that out and let you guys know all the cool specifics. Until then, we'll take a short break. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We got a full 26-man roster to unfold right here, man. Breakdown, we got three catchers. We have... Eight infielders. I just had to count a lot of lines on a spreadsheet very quickly right there. We have five outfielders. We've got a full five-man starting rotation. And then we have five relief pitchers that round out the 2022 All-July team for the Pebble Report podcast. Quick breakdown. We have seven players in Albuquerque, eight in Hartford, six in Spokane, and five in Fresno. We have elected to not to show disrespect at all to the Arizona Complex League and the Dominican Summer League. It's just when they play as many 
when they have as many off days as they do, it's tough to really get a comprehensive sample size that's big enough for it. So with a huge star next to the All July team, we didn't include them just because we were going for the bigger sample sizes, but that certainly doesn't mean their performances should be overlooked. So definitely people that we want to highlight just as far as, you know, making sure that the comprehensive sample sizes are big enough this time around. That was our rationale. Um, Kenneth and I, as we were assembling this, there are a lot of shortstops on the listings, which we, you know, we did want to divide it out to where this is a team that, you know, you could field a competitive position balanced squad. That's typically what we like to do. And all the while recognizing a lot of second base slash shortstops and maybe a couple that had the possibility of playing third. That was at least, you know, that was the demographics that we were working with for this squad. So we set this up of those eight infielders. A lot of them are significantly up the middle. And, you know, that is kind of the only exception at this point. Otherwise, we got pretty standard setup right here. So we might need to talk through how we're going to divide out the players. Kenneth, we might need to get a little clever here. That's why we hire through. a manager. We just we fill <laughs> out the roster and then he can figure it out on the lineup guard. That's a good point. There you go. We're going to pick who that's we're going to need to add in a manager for the who's going to lead it. Like, I mean, it's like the MLB All-Star game. Whoever's got the previous champion. Yeah. I, I think I think that's a good way at least of going about it. I personally would be a little bit more uh, picky about my base coaches just because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have my pick of the litter, I'm gonna bring back EY senior and junior. <laughs> there you go uh, and, and put them on the corners because I, I see them every now and then with Washington and Atlanta and it's time for them to come home and manage the uh, Pebble squad. And senior's got to be at third because he's a little more seasoned. He's made it around the bases a little further. He knows what's than up. Junior. <laughs> he knows what's oh, up. Oh, man. You never know what we're going to go. All August, we're going to get real technical right here, man. Kenneth, yeah. I will turn over the top of this. We've got three catchers. I'll let you break them down for us. Yeah, so we'll we'll kick it off with Carlos Perez uh, for the Albuquerque Isotopes. Uh, in July, 315 average, hit nine home runs, uh, posted a... 1.044 OPS. Uh, Carlos Perez has just mashed all year. You know, we talk about uh, Winton Bernard being the man in the uh, in Albuquerque and, and part of the Pacific Coast League, but Carlos Perez leads the team in home runs with 23 for the season. So dude's been carrying around a big bat all year, and July was just another representation of that. Uh, next, we'll go to Colin Simpson um, in Spokane, left-handed hitting catcher. Posted a 327, 367, 491 line in uh, 55 at-bats. The catching situation is obviously dominated by Drew Romo down in Spokane. But when you look at Simpson or Ronaker Palma or even Hunter Goodman, you know, the guys that get their opportunities outside of it, it's not to say they haven't done anything. So Simpson was a good example of that in July for the Indians. Um and then last, we're going to look at Braxton Fulford. He's the uh, the third catcher on the roster, um, or at least you know one of the three, I should say. We're not trying to bust rank on him. Um, but for Fulford, uh, Texas Tech product, I believe, that or Texas A&M, one of the two, yeah. a, Texan, a Texan of sorts. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, uh, 403 on base percentage. That was the highest from any catcher um, that we had on the list. Even 500 slugging finished with a 903 OPS overall in 77 plate appearances has been really good at receiving. Um, so there's always that defensive acumen that that Fulford has as his calling card. And he's done well with the Fresno staff this season. Uh, but he's shown he can do it with the bat a little bit too. So, you know, Fulford, you can never have uh, enough catching depth. And I think Fulford has been a really good addition this season for the uh, the Rockies farm system. And he showed it in July with the, with the Grizzlies. You know, a little bit of everything in that mix right there. One thing I do want to point out on Carlos Perez, he actually left the yard nine times. So that was the most out of everybody that we had on this all July team. I'll go ahead and take over the infielders as far as the top of it. I, Kenneth, I figured the way we can do this, I'll take the top four, which is Albuquerque and three Hartfords, and then I'll give you the bottom four. Just to, I shouldn't say bottom four. I mean, just because they're not the graduated prospects doesn't mean – we have them sorted based on affiliate on our little 4A and 4B. <laughs> Goodness, man. I'll go ahead and take it at the top. We have DJ Peterson, corner infielder from Albuquerque. He is the first infielder on our list. He is the only infielder from Albuquerque that made the All-July team. OPS of 972, which is one of the higher ones that we have in our fold right here. 
he left the yard three times and he was able to put together five doubles on top of that. So batting average just south of 300, but he was able to put it together a lot with those extra base hits that he was able to put together. So, you know, not necessarily the most touted prospect that you're going to see on any of the prospect ranking lists, but, you know, definitely somebody kind of along the, we talked earlier about, you know, Winton Bernard really being able to at least push the guys around him. It's exciting to see a guy like DJ Peterson realizing that, you know, there is a little bit of a log jam on the corner infield with the Rockies in the big leagues right now. I mean, it was hard enough for El Juris Montero to even get the playing time that he's now kind of finally receiving. But, you know, that has paved the way for DJ Peterson to be able to get some AAA reps, and he's certainly taken advantage this past month. Um, I'll rent out the trio that we have in Hartford. Grant Levine, Kyle Datris, and Hunter Stovall making it happen. Um, all three of them... OPS for Levine, 925. Datris has 886, but he also put that together with a 320 average. And then Stovall had the highest of both of them. He put a 354 average down with a 1.014 OPS. Again, Stovall is, to my knowledge, one of three. I say to my knowledge as I'm looking at the sheet. One of three confirmed players with an OPS above 1,000. So definitely one of the more... He gets a little bit more than just the standard purple pebble. We give him like kind of the, the full size rock right there. So, you know, very exciting to see what he's put together. He had seven doubles and five home runs. So very similar to, you know, the extra base hit total that Carlos Perez had. And Kyle Datris was able to kind of get in that similar vicinity with nine doubles of his own. But, you know, a lot of exciting business that we have rolling with a lot of different infielders in Hartford. So, Kenneth, I'll turn it over to you to the crew over in Spokane and Fresno. Yeah, um, so we're going to go with Julio Carreras and uh, Warming Bernabel, both of them over in uh, Spokane. Uh, for Carreras, he, he spent the, all of the season, I believe, actually with the Indians, uh, but having another good month, 337 average, uh, 961 OPS overall, 102 plate appearances, uh, had three jacks and uh, 16 RBIs. So he was a bit of a catalyst uh, for that Spokane lineup, 52 total bases. Uh, in his 92 at bats, warming Bernabel. Um, a lot of people, you know, keeping track on Fresno throughout the season have become very familiar with him. Um, ever since he's been called up to the Indians, he's really just not missed a step. Uh, July was kind of his first full month. He had 19 games, posted a 359 batting average, 370 on base, and a 551 slugging percentage. Um, also had three home runs and 15 RBIs. He is just. He hits, man. He just continues to keep on hitting, and the the promotion to the new level has really not proved to be too challenging for Bernabel so far. So definitely encouraging signs on his development. Um, from there, we'll go to uh, Fresno, Ade Alamador. Uh, it's just it's routine at this point talking about Almador being on this list because he's just been a man child the entire season. In July, posted a 321, 475, 500 triple slash line Uh, he continues to walk considerably more than he strikes out so the plate discipline and the approach that Amador has shown all season long has just never waned and that was true in July as well 21 walks to just 10 strikeouts it's absurd in this day and age to have a player being able to show this much less a 19 20 year old like Amador um, is doing in his first taste of full season baseball so you know, a lot of encouraging things once again from Amador. And then to round out the list, you have Juan Brito. He's kind of been the partner in crime up the middle with Amador this season, holding down second base. Uh, but he held an identical 321 batting average uh, for the month of July. He had 47 total bases in uh, 84 at bats, 27 hits, uh, which I believe might have been the highest for Fresno. Uh, but regardless, Brito was kind of a bit of an underappreciated prospect, especially when you talk about Bernabel, um, Hunter Goodman, and Adele Amador being on that same infield with him. Well, he goes out and he does 11 extra base hits, uh, excuse me, 13 extra base hits, eight doubles, three triples, and two home runs. And he just continues to hit and he continues to show nothing but good things. So he might not be the biggest name that everybody looks at because he's competing against a guy like Amador, but he's certainly showing that he's a really good position player prospect in his own right. So Carreras, Bernabel, Amador, Brito, 
And this is, you know, the true strength of the Colorado system on the infield at the the A ball levels. And they showed it in July. You know, I'm glad you mentioned as far as warming Bernabeu getting that promotion like he did. He was able to, I mean, certainly handle the jump in the pitching development. I think it's going to be very exciting to see what he's able to do in Hartford as well. And then, you know, you mentioned Amador continuing to find his way on this list. I think another thing we need to take a look at is who are the people that have been on this list for multiple months or who is the leaders at this point? You know, I mean, it might not also be fair either because like Ezekiel Tovar was down this month because of injury. But, you know, I can venture to guess if he was healthy, he would also be on this list again. So I guess we'd have to take that with a grain of salt. But you never know. I do want to give an honorary mention to Eddie Diaz had an 887 OPS. Um, It was tough for him to crack this, even though that's a tremendous figure. So, you know, I guess we had to leave him off at least one month. However, I mean, it certainly wasn't a down month for him by any means. So. I'll go ahead and I'll take the yeah, there you go. I'll take the outfielders on the top end. Um, we mentioned Winton Bernard. We won't dwell on that too much because we talked about that the entire top half of the show. Again, one one three one OPS. That's one point one three one. That's legit for the kids at home right there. Um, that clearly led the leaderboard. The next closest OPS, as I'm taking a look at this, would have been Carlos Perez, one point zero four four. So we're looking at almost another 100 points on OPS, and that's how crazy Bernard's month was. Um, again, not just being at the top of the Rocky system, being at the top of the entire Pacific Coast League. Um, rounding that out is, I'll take two, and then Kenneth, I'll leave the two that we've got beneath there for the lower levels. But in Hartford, we had two outfielders, Daniel Montano and Brenton Doyle. They made it happen. Montano put together an 838 OPS. His average was 222, but again, very strong showing with extra base hits. He posted 16 hits. Nine of them were for extra bases. Five of them were for home runs. So, you know, very much a power threat on the left side of the plate for those Hartford Yard Goats. And, you know, you put together that kind of just showing, especially being able to mix in, you know, the amount of walks that he drew. He put together 15 walks. So all of a sudden you recognize maybe there is a little bit of extra plate discipline going on despite, you know, he's not exactly hitting those singles, but he's also finding a way to get on base with, you know, ways without requiring a base hit at that point in time. Whereas you look at what Brenton Doyle has been able to put together. He also had, you know, a very comprehensive setup of extra base hits. He actually had more than Doyle, which that kind of helps explain, you know, the discrepancies in slugging percentage, but Looking at, you know, these guys have definitely found a way to really put together a power punch and also recognizing that, you know, with the organization having a lot invested in, you know, some outfielders in Fresno and Spokane, whether it be Zach Veen, Benny Montgomery, the new draftees that we just picked up in the in the draft just about a month ago. It's exciting to see that, you know, there still is a charge with double A outfielders. And this is something I wanted to kind of extend on a little bit, recognizing that you know, the ship is not sailing on these players because they're showing that, especially in a place like Coors Field, these bats could play very well. But, you know, I think this definitely speaks to the depth pieces for what exists. It's also potentially closing the window on Wynn Bernard because we could only imagine Montano and Doyle are going to find their way to Albuquerque sooner than later. But, you know, all the while, this is exciting times for the Rockies outfield prospects. And, you know, it's coming from some players that, you know, maybe they're not the most highest touted. I understand Doyle is certainly well recognized, but for a guy like Montano realizing he doesn't have the, na- the name like a Zach Veen, but he definitely has the left-handed power back that could play very well at Coors Field. So, Kenneth, I'll turn it over to you. We got two dudes in Fresno, and those are our last two position players, man. Yeah, so we'll kick it off with Juan Guerrero. Uh, Guerrero had a pretty crazy month. In 22 games, he had a 372 batting average and a 606 slugging percentage. Uh, finished just a hair short of 1,000 for the OPS in 98 plate appearances. Uh, had five home runs and 24 runs batted in over the course of the month. 57 total bases collected. So he was putting up some like genuine Winton Bernard numbers um, down in uh, the California League this uh over july so really really good month from guerrero definitely deserved to be on the list um next one that we're going to have the final outfielder final position player is uh yorvis tori alba um obviously anybody that you know has been a rockies fan is going to recognize this last name and it is yorvis son it's been a very interesting 2022 season though for yorvis he started the season in high a spokane it was a bit of an aggressive uh assignment for him and 
Um, playing time and success was a little sparse for him through the, the first half of the season. So it seemed like he really needed to start catching his bearings um, in the second half. But July showed he started getting on that track. Uh, it's a bit of a smaller sample size relative to the rest of the list, but in 54 at-bats, had a 352 average, 435 on base, and a 500 slugging percentage. Um, had, you know, one double, or excuse me, th uh, three doubles, one triple, one home run, so had that little bit of an extra base threat to him in his at-bats. More of a speed game, um, a little bit, you know, not quite the big bopper necessarily that you might expect from some other ones, but he's still well regarded and hopefully, you know, he's getting on track a little bit uh, with Fresno and gets back on the radar like he was entering this season. July showed though why, you know, he's, he's well regarded and so deserve to be on this list. You know, I'm glad you pointed that out, especially with Tori Alba, his strikeouts, he, you know, I, I guess I should kind of clarify the sample size that we're working with first. He had 54 at bats in the month of July and he only struck out in six of them. So, I mean, the plate discipline, especially at a level where it could be easy to swing at, you know, perhaps some less than refined pitches in low A, I thought that was a very exciting thing to see. And it makes me wonder, you know, maybe this projectability is going to look very well as far as as he keeps moving through the system. So that's it, man. That is, let me count this really fast. That is all, goodness, as I'm doing math in my doing head. math on to, air. Wow, goodness. I'm trying to run a conversation on. and count columns right now. Seven, seven players? Is that the total? <laughs> 17. There it is. Right. 17 position players. Let me count it again just to make sure that I got it. Yeah, there we go. Oh, my goodness. That was, I just froze right there. I just panicked a little bit. <laughs> Oh, happens man. to the best of us, man. <laughs> you want me to we jump over have... on the pitching side? Sure, go ahead. We do have 10 pitchers, Kenneth. I'll go ahead and let you take the starters if you'd like. Yep. So uh, we'll start it off with Carl Kaufman. When we talk about the usual suspects that have been going on on the uh, on the uh, all-month teams for the Pebble Report podcast, Kaufman has definitely been one of them. Um, recent promotion, going from AA to AAA, July was kind of the full month for him. Started four games, had a 3.5 ERA in that time. Uh, 18 innings pitched, had 14 strikeouts. The command definitely got a little wonky for him. Um, he had 15 walks in those 18 innings. So it was a little uncharacteristic, but this is also, you know, his first experience in AAA. So he was able to work out of a lot of trouble over the course of the month, only allowing seven earned runs in those 18 innings pitched despite the uh, the walks and the hits allowed. So strong first showing um, from Kaufman. Uh, his partner in crime uh, with the Isotopes is Ryan Feltner, who recently just got called back up to the Rockies. Uh, been bouncing around a little bit, but when he's been out in Albuquerque, he's been just fantastic. Uh, had three games started, 13 in the third innings. Had one bit of a blow-up start um, that resulted in six runs being allowed for the month. A little bit higher of an ERA than we're used to seeing at 4.05, but we talk about the Pacific Coast League being a bit of a launching pad. Well, that means it's hard on pitching, too. So, you know, putting up a four ERA is not necessarily um, indicative of the level that Feltner's been pitching at this season. So definitely deserve to be on the All-July team. Um, next we'll go to Nick Bush in Hartford and he fits in this exact same conversation with Kaufman and Feltner. Bush has been amazing this season for, for Hartford. He's been a very reliable starter, um, made five starts for the yard goats in July, uh, pitched to the tune of a 4.01 ERA over 24 and two thirds innings, 27 strikeouts compared to just two walks. The stuff has played up for Bush this season. I think more than anybody really anticipated, um, and honestly, in my opinion, he's somebody that's really on the radar as being possibly one of those 40 man guys on, on the pitching needs that we talked about earlier in the episode. So, um, another just strong outing from Bush, uh, last two starters we'll go with recent draft picks, Joe rock, um, for Spokane at this point, what more can we say about Joe rock other than he's just kind of this utterly dominant lefty that keeps on slinging <laughs> it down, uh, for the Indians. 3.05 ERA in four games started. Unfortunately, ran into some bad luck with it with a record of one and two, but over 20 and two-thirds innings, 17 strikeouts, just 16 hits allowed. At this point, Rock is just, you can't ask for more than what Rock has shown uh, this season in high A and his first taste of pro ball. So great numbers for an aggressive assignment. And then rounding it out is Case Williams, who did all of his damage in, spoke, or in Fresno, 
but just got promoted up to Spokane himself. So uh, four games started in July for the Grizzlies, 3-0 and record with a 3.42 ERA, 19 punch outs in 23 and two-thirds innings. Um, so, you know, Case Williams was somebody that obviously there's the whole long story about being drafted out of Douglas County and then being traded and then traded for again. So it's been a bit of an odd journey, but he's really started finding his own um, this year in the Rocky system and how he finishes out this season in high Spokane is going to be something worth watching because there is a good arm in there. So um, Kaufman, Feltner, Bush, Rock, Williams, that's, that's a pretty good foundation for what the Rockies future of pitching is looking like um, over the course of the season. They're on the all July team for it. Good job, guys. Go. That could be the core right there. There you go, man. You know, I suppose another good thing to just kind of put as a discretion, as we were putting this roster together, it was very challenging to find starting pitchers that had at least three games started and had an ERA below four. So, I mean, I, I say that in the respectful context of, you know, maybe this wasn't necessarily organizational wide as far as putting together starters, but, you know, you did mention a couple of aggressive assignments like Case Williams getting the call up to Spokane, like what we saw with Carl Kaufman moving up to AAA. Um, again, you know, you're dealing with unfavorable air in Albuquerque if you're a pitcher. I mean, very similar to the course field effect that we're going to see when they inevitably make it up to the big leagues. But, you know, there is definitely a lot of bright spots to put together. And again, you know, ERA isn't always the key measuring stick, but I figure, you know, maybe that's a good little thing to clarify as far as, you know, two of those five pitchers having ERAs just a tick above four. You know, yes, is that all-star worthy? I mean, when we're only dealing with about four different teams and that's what you piece together, you know, sure, maybe to an extent just based on what we're working with. But, you know, all the while, there is some promotion being mixed in. And I think that's a good thing to at least clarify before people are looking at us going, yeah, if you look at the big league all-star game and everybody's in the twos or the ones, well, yes, I mean, that makes sense. And it's a little bit of a different game here. but. You know, that's the tricky thing as far as putting a roster like this together. But again, you know, some very strong showings from the starting pitcher side. So I will go ahead and I'll take over the relievers. We have five select relievers that we've got in the mix right here. Two of them, very curious to hear what their thoughts are on the Daniel Bard extension, which this is something that piqued my curiosity a little bit. Two relievers in Hartford that you probably readily know, even if you're not the biggest of minor league fans. Julian Fernandez and Justin Lawrence, two guys that we happen to have seen in the big leagues, at least at some point in the last calendar year. Fernandez put together 10 and two-thirds innings, and he only allowed two runs in that span. That's good enough for a 1.69 ERA. Two solo home runs. So, you know, that could just be a product of two pitches that got away from him. Again, command has kind of been the issue when you've got a guy that can run it up to 104. I suppose that's kind of to be expected at times, but he did walk six guys in 10 and two third innings. But you know, when you hold hitters to a 135 average against that month, there's not a whole lot of extra base damage to be had right there, aside from just two run in home runs. And, you know, nobody's proving that they can defeat him, which is a very exciting thing, or at least few people are proving that. So It'll be interesting to see how he's able to potentially refine the command. I mean, at the event that, let's say, the Rockies find themselves actually needing some immediate relief pitcher depth, he could be somebody to go to. Somebody that the Rockies actually have gone to for immediate reliever depth. Justin Lawrence, while he was in Albuquerque in the month of July, he put together nine appearances. He went nine and a third innings pitch, so almost one inning per appearance. He only allowed one earned run in that time, so good enough for a .96 ERA. And again, batting average against, that number is below 100. So somebody that's certainly coming from a very deceiving arm slot. I realize that was something that a lot of people took attention to as soon as he got called up to the Rockies. But he's continued to carve in AAA, and those are two key options that if the Rockies are looking for somebody immediately in the Colorado bullpen, I know that's what they look for in Lawrence, but... It could very well be Fernandez again, even despite kind of the roller coaster of a year that he's been on since he debuted last September. So rounding it out, we got two guys in Hartford. Gavin Hollowell posting a 1.93 ERA over nine and a third innings pitched. That was over seven games. So they're, yeah, I'm sorry, the Yard Goats extended him a little bit on a couple of outings. Also in the mix, and I know the Blake Street Banter people are probably going to be fired up because we keep giving them shout outs. Their guy, Dugan Darnell. I think it's safe to say he's our guy, too, at this point. Dugan Darnell put together a 2.08 ERA. He pitched in eight games, went eight and two-third innings. 
So again, you know, very comprehensive body of work that these guys continue to put together and fun to see that. I mean, again, Darnell working with, you know, kind of the seasoned minor leaguer that's been well-traveled at this point in time. Hollowell certainly being able to take care of limiting a lot of damage on the base paths as well. You know, not a whole lot of people posting a lot of hits against those guys, and they've certainly seemed to have been spotting it up and making it happen from there. So final guy that we have on the list, I guess we shouldn't say he's final. I mean, he, it's not that you're the last guy on the list. It's just you're the reliever at the lowest level on the list. Our closer. <laughs> closer. This is Colorado's own Blake Goldsberry, Cherry Creek High School alum. I say that I, I I pitched against Blake Goldsberry one time. I don't remember facing it. Well, I mean, I, I didn't face anybody because I was an atrocious hitter. But, yeah, it's funny. I was looking at this going, I used to pitch against this guy, and now he's carving. Nice. And so, side note, did that have any relevance to this? Absolutely not. But, hey, you see a name you recognize, you get fired up. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Gold, I wish I would get a chance to hit against him just to see how nasty his stuff was. That's what I missed out on. So, anyways, Blake Goldsberry went to University of Kansas, put together. He is in Spokane now, just a couple years into his pro career. Eight and two thirds innings, put a 1.59 ERA together. So again, that is Justin Lawrence is the only reliever on our list with a better ERA. So Goldsberry certainly holding their own at the holding his own at the level that he's at. Um, walks got away from him a little bit in his eight and two thirds inning pitched, but again, not a serious deterrent when you've got guys that aren't really putting any hits together off of you and certainly limiting the extra base damage. Um, again, one home run, and that can be just a testament to call it whatever you will. That can certainly inflate the ERA when you only give up two runs in the entire month, but that's it, man. Kenneth, we did it, dude. We can take a breath now that we powered through. You did. I'm glad uh, Goldsberry locked it down at the end. <laughs> we tied it all together. Very fun to put this together. Very fun to get the research down. And again, a lot of names that people can take a lot of attention to. Um, that's it. There you go. I mean, the MVP clearly has got to be Wynton Bernard. So we'll give him the honorary captain C on his chest. I, I don't know what our all July uniforms would look like, but you know what? If we had the budget, maybe we could do that. I think uh, they're going to look similar to the Futures Games uniform. <laughs> the half gonna, and half. Yeah, it's going to lean into the black and purple. Only. <laughs> we'll just keep doing it. We'll just see how it can go. I mean, a lot of these a lot of these people are recurring names too, though. So maybe we can just give them like an extra patch on the sleeve or something and we'll call it good. Yeah. We'll see how it rolls. <laughs> I like it. I like we it. are going to take a short break, but coming up, we're going to go with the rundown of all of our affiliates, the schedule behind them, and the road ahead. We'll pick our breakout players to watch, per usual. We'll send you guys home, or wherever you're tuning in at this point in time, we'll send you there. Absolutely full of minor league, minor league knowledge, and we'll see how it goes. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. Pebble Report podcast time. We're going to do a little storytelling. We're going to talk about where the Albuquerque isotopes have been previously and where they just so happen to be going in the next week of minor league baseball. So Kenneth and I, we are, I mentioned earlier, our record date is, that was very soothing introduction. Man, where did that go? I just... I, I kind of started dozing off there a little bit <laughs> the sweet melodies of your voice and so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to catch me up you know for those that remember the early stages of this podcast i can only remember the infancy of hey here we go <laughs> and now it's just like yep this is it this is business as usual here we go it's like i'm doing the master's tradition like unlike any other and now we're just doing it yeah we're never talking <laughs> in their backswing that's what we learned <laughs> I'll go ahead and skip the nonsense for all you boys and girls. Um, I mentioned our record date right now. It is Friday, um, August 5th. And the Affected by Altitude crew is actually releasing a podcast that I believe is being released on Saturday, October 6th. So we have taken the executive decision. We're holding off releasing this podcast until Monday morning. So you know, barring any monumental minor league news, this will be relatively up to date, but just out of respect to make sure that we don't interfere with their episode. So when we say this week, we are referring to 
<laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'll see how it plays yeah. out right there. Out of respect for them, it's like, nah, we're overshadowed, and we realize that. <laughs> what if we just stepped on their toes? We're just like, no. How about how about I schedule it for literally like one minute after? There you go. Actually, no, that would be a nightmare. Be Max so has big feet. It's not hard to step on his toes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you never know, man. So, anyways, when we say this week, we will make reference to the week of Monday. August 8th. That way we limit confusion on your end. When we say last week, we will talk about the week of August 1st. So keep in mind, we don't know the full results of the final back half of the week when we say that. But, you know, for Albuquerque, the best they can do is tie the series because they started off 0-3 against the El Paso Chihuahuas. Again, the Rockies and the Padres was not a favorable series. The Rockies went 1-4. and Already with the Padres affiliate, the Rockies AAA affiliate, starting the series going 0-3. And, you know, they gave, they gave up 13 runs, 7 runs, and 10 runs. So hopefully they turned around. Hopefully there's a, little, there's a little bit more optimism by the time you guys are tuning into this. But, you know, again, run scoring environment in El Paso, they're taking full advantage. The Isotopes will be taking on the Reno Aces at home. Um, it, it, excuse me, the game with a series, a home series for Albuquerque. So the game will be in New, Me- in New Mexico. They are bringing back the Mariachis night. So they're wearing the Mariachis uniforms for the Copas. And that's the only, pre- I'm sorry, they have youth science jerseys on Sunday, August 14th. Is that like a Breaking Bad illusion? Well, they there? just got done with the Breaking Bad promotion and like the the silent auction so i'm guessing that this is just like an ode to everybody that builds the paper mache volcanoes and like keeping that (laughs) tradition alive but now you just take it to the ballpark so that's that's what makes the most sense in my head i mean hey science day at the ballpark it's always a good one right there man you get the little field trips going i mean it's on a sunday so you have to get clever a little bit but hey yeah a lot of potato batteries (laughs) the potato yeah i remember those oh yeah absolutely (laughs) Something I did notice, shout out to the crew in Albuquerque, the highest attended minor league game in the entire country this year was the Breaking Bad night that the Isotopes did last month. They had Walter White himself make an appearance. People absolutely swarmed to the ballpark in Albuquerque. So, you know, maybe it might not have been for the product on the field as much as it was for the promotion, but, you know, tip the cap to the crew front office in Albuquerque for just absolutely packing the stands for that one. So that's always exciting. Um, we will go ahead and move on to double-A double Spokane. Double-A Spokane. Goodness. Wow. It's been a long day. My goodness. Here we have We're arrived. Yeah. Double-A first. Easy listening voice. <laughs> There you go. We're going to need to take a breath and reset right here. Double A Hartford Yard Goats. Um, this current series that they're in, they are 2-1 and one against the Reading Fighting Phils. Absolutely a Phillies affiliate. Phillies affiliate. Wow, there's another one for you right there. Phillies <laughs> affiliate. <laughs> this week they're taking on the Somerset Patriots, which is a New York Yankees affiliate. They will return home the week of August 15th. I'll kick it back in action on the 16th, that Tuesday, taking on the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. So we'll cover the promotions on a later episode, but we're working with Irish Heritage Night. That was something I saw on the horizon with very unique logos they have released with like Irish flag, yellow and orange on the goat itself. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled for what we're working with on August 19th. That could be some serious business right there, man. Hartford's going big with these promotions, man. You just look at their calendar, and it's it's the rest of the season. Every single game, every home game, at least, just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you never know where the GOAT's going to be right there, man. It's They're working hard. They're working hard, man. <laughs> we will go to not double-A Spokane, but we will go to high-A Spokane with this next set. They're currently finishing up a set at home against the Eugene Emeralds. They started off going one and two. They will return back home the week of August 15th, but this upcoming week, August 9th through the 14th, they're going to Hillsboro, Oregon, taking on the Hillsboro Hops, Diamondbacks affiliate. Very cool logo. I know we've mentioned this with the Hillsboro Hops, but if I'm not mistaken, there was a, there's a men's league team in Denver that they use the Hops logo. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Hops, they, they had two, 18 and 25. They're just 25 now, but yeah. I um uh, I we see you Henry Henry Zbart. 
Very Thank good. You. Very good marketing right there. You pull out the good yeah. logo right there. The crew in Hillsborough getting it down. Also, Some I don't know why I know this. The Red Wings logo and use oh, that man. for ours. But man. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> it's a dangerous city to be wearing a Red Wings logo right there, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. No, that's all part of it, man. That's all good. Hillsborough is, I'm, I'm sorry, following up. They, I mentioned that Spokane will return back home on August 16th. They got back to school night on the 17th of August. We got some fireworks that upcoming Friday. And the fan favorite, they are bringing back Storybook Princess Night. So there you go. We had Wands and Wizards Night. for that, That's actually, no, they're doing that tomorrow. So the 6th mm-hmm. of August. We got Wands and Wizards Night exactly two weeks later. Storybook Princess Night, man. I can't come up with any better words to put together in the English dictionary than Storybook Princess Night. Like that's, <laughs> I'm in. I'm sold. From the get-go. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to work. Well, I think it's funny, too. I can only imagine these players. I mean, you know, you're hanging out in the dugout. Maybe let's say you're a relief pitcher just hanging in the bullpen. Like, what is your focus shifting to when you have these absolutely wild promotions that are going down? But, you know, that's part of the reason it's it's coveted, man. That's, that's the minor league setup right there. All right. I'm, I'm assuming in that evening... The attention is probably just being distracted by them playing Princess Bride on the Jumbotron throughout the <laughs> There you go. You know, you get a little bit of everything. They cater to the full palette right there in Spokane. I like it. <laughs> Rounded it out. Low A, I'm sorry, Low A Fresno. They won 20 to 5 on Tuesday. So that's that's good way to start the series right there. Yeah. 25 victory on August 2nd. Not a bad, not a bad setup right there. So, anyways. As we look through finishing up this series, of course, this weekend, they will go take on the Inland Empire 66ers, Ode to Route 66. Very cool backdrop at that venue, for those that might not know. You know, really cool mountains in Southern California. I'm sorry, I guess it's not exactly Southern California. Goodness, I'm all over the place right here. We'll just go ahead and skip through this and call it good. (laughs) Get the reset. They will head on the road. August 9th is when they open up a six-game set at the Inland Empire. They will be taking on Visalia again on the road, so they're not going to return home until August 23rd when they take on Stockton. And at that point, you know, we're going to be on the home stretch of the season there. So, you know, we're looking very few home games thrown down in Fresno at this point. But, you know, take advantage while you can. Um, Fresno State night coming up on August 27th, so that's always exciting for the college crowd. they got to make sure they get that in before football season, it sounds like. But so very good timing. So that's it, man. That's the setup right here. I know we had an episode last week, so, you know, not a lot of updates on this forecast. But, you know, we do have a couple player updates that we want to put together, of course, with our breakout player of the week. And, Kenneth, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. Who's your selection for the week, man? Yeah, well, I'm just going to revisit uh, who who I spotlighted last week, and that's last week, and that's Jordi Vargas. And I guess I'm going to apologize because uh, he was fantastic um in the uh, complex league up to that point and then i i brought a little too much attention on him some heat on him and uh, in his first appearance uh since being my my pick to click so to speak uh five earned runs allowed in three and two thirds innings so uh he's been excellent though he's been excellent this entire time and i i firmly believe that he's going to continue to do that we'll see if he kind of gets any of that uh full season love um, as we talked about last episode, but just keeping tabs. Vargas had a had a tough learning experience, so it was it was it was inevitable. <laughs> it's always good to revisit it, and always good to give him a shout out because I mean, hey, if we speak it into existence, I mean, to my knowledge, our track record on this, the, more often than not, these guys kind of heat up a little bit when we give them a shout out. So mm-hmm. you know, it's the exact opposite of the Madden curse. I like to think so. Whether or not we hold that much power is yet to be seen, but you know, I like to think I do. <laughs> I want to give a I'll, I'll go mine I'll go with Eddie Diaz and this is a guy he had a tremendous month of July he actually just narrowly missed the all July team it took me I, I wanted to put him on there because he's he, he, he's my guy what can I say but you know just a little bit of positional depth where he was at in Spokane that it kind of kept him off the list at this point but you know certainly not to knock the performance that he's had and you know, I can only imagine when you have two infielders in your own organization that may have had a slightly better month than you, especially with kind of the touted prospect status that Eddie Diaz holds. 
I feel like there's definitely some candidacy that he could break out. Again, you know, for organizational depth, it's good to have some people around you that you're really competing against, striving to make sure that, you know, you're pushing the envelope as best as you can. And I think it'll be interesting to see which one of those infielders in Spokane is inevitably the first one to get called up to Hartford. But I certainly think Eddie Diaz is putting a candidacy together, and there is a good chance, I think, reasonably speaking, if he heats up in the month of August, we could potentially see him making that jump in the later stages of 2022. It's not to say the Rockies will end up doing that because, you know, maybe he regains his footing in high A and he's able to, you know, his OPS right now is 684 for the season. Now, it's certainly not anything to scoff at by any means. I mean, maybe that's not exactly what you're looking for for a double-A promotion. But all the while, it's somebody that I'm excited to see, and he certainly seems like he's got the play discipline to be able to handle that jump in pitching. I would selfishly love to be able to see that. We may need to wait until 2023 to get that rolling. But, you know, I'm a fan. I think it's time for that guy to continue to break out and do what he's been doing, and it's fun to keep following along from afar. We're so all really right there. fast, Eddie. <laughs> there you go absolutely and that is it my friends kenneth we did it again thanks for joining mission us, accomplished you know just hanging out hanging with the crew having a great time making it happen absolutely. talking about daniel vogelbach behind people's backs <laughs> oh no kenneth <laughs> is currently wired into the new the new york mets recent transaction you know that's the fun thing we get a game on in the background we yeah. talk a couple prospects, and we call it a day right there, man. Yeah. So needless to say, you've been absolutely wired to the podcast on an 8 to nothing game. Your baseball nuts through and through, man. <laughs> man, we'll go ahead and we'll put this show on the road for you guys again. Thank you for tuning in. Absolute blast on all of our listeners for making this happen. This makes it so much fun to recognize that we got a lot of people that are in the same boat of a lot of attention into the minor leagues as us right here, man. Um, of course, shout out to the Affected by Altitude podcast. You can go ahead and find them in the exact same place that you find our podcast. We actually share a podcasting channel, so it's extremely easy to find. So again, big shout out to the crew over there. And I know we've mentioned the Blake Street Banter crew quite a bit. Um, a lot of headlines on Winton Bernard that they're putting together, so make sure you take a look at that. But in the meantime, myself, Justin Wick, on behalf of my guy, Kenneth Weber, We've done it again. Kenneth, you got any final words for us? You got some parting wisdom? Oh, man. Just keep up the good work. And Wynton Bernard, you just you keep doing what you're doing, man. And we're all pulling for you to get that call. You know, hopefully we can speak that part into existence. You know, I think I speak on behalf of the entire Purple Road crew when I say we would love to be able to make that happen. So keep your eyes peeled. See what our dude Wynton Bernard is making happen. And for those of you people in Albuquerque, you know, hopefully selfishly we'll be able to see him in Denver at some point soon. So... Keep your eyes peeled. We'll make it happen. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been the Pebble Report Podcast. Let's go Rockies. Let's play ball.